0: Hello and welcome back to Banjo of the Future. Uh, Before we get started, I've got a quick correction from our last episode. I made the generalization that all DI boxes are preamps. That's not exactly true. There are also passive DI boxes that can change your signal to line level. Uh, But if you are plugging in a guitar, mandolin, or banjo, I highly recommend that active type like the LR Bags or the Grace Alex um, DI. This will require a lot less gain from the mixing board allowing you to get a strong signal from even budget level mixers. Um, anyhow, we do have an email set up now if you have questions or comments feel free to email podcast at neckville So here's a quick conversation that Tom and I had about the Gila Mount frame and a little bit how um, how it came to be and how it's manufactured. Unfortunately my mic cut out just a few minutes into uh, recording so Bear with me here, as I'm still trying to figure all of this out. Not the highest quality, but the <clears throat> the material was great, so I wanted to keep as much of it as possible, so you guys could um, get an idea of of what goes into f- these frames. Let's start Let's start from the beginning. The single thing that sets Neckvilles apart from any other banjo in the world, the Gila Mount frame. Okay. Do you remember when um, you produced the very first Gila Mount? And what, did wow. that, and what did that wow. look like?
1: Well, we're going back to 1986, I believe. Um, but um, the first Gila Mount uh, idea was a, um, was a peanut butter jar. I mean, it was literally a mayonnaise jar as the inspiration the for concept. the concept. But um, I went to a machine shop course to learn how to use a lathe because I wanted to make a prototype and see if I could make a jar-like lid for a, a banjo head that would hold the, um, that would hold the, the head in place and then have another ring that would push up on the, um, on the tone ring inside of this mechanism. So it's really hard to explain, isn't it? Over the over the airwaves, like this. Yeah, but it's interesting. I mean, it makes
0: you think about it a little bit differently. So, what kind of material did you use for that that first prototype?
1: I, I went to a, um, I went to a junkyard and I found a bronze ring that was eight inches in uh, outside diameter, and then um, it had a it had a pretty thick wall on it. And then I found another piece that was about the same size maybe a little bit smaller. But uh, I, what I ended up with is two pieces of bronze. They were like bushings or something, really heavy bronze. Yeah, yeah like cut off. And uh, and that was my project during the machine shop course where I learned how to use the lathe. And uh, so the f- first thing I did is I made the outer piece, which was like a, kind of like the cap of the jar, you know, and but it had a, the sides. And it had threads on the inside, excuse me, and there was a little overhang on the top of the um, of the cylinder that uh, was that the head would catch as you put the head in place. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then the mating part was made to fit inside of that, and so it kind of telescoped inside. But then there were threads that mated with the threads on the outside ring. Gotcha. And then I just had to turn that in, and it was kind of hard to turn because you know there's friction. Going around on all those threads and you have to get the head tight. So I, I used a spanner wrench, you know, like a big piece of steel and plugged in two little holes and then just you know, crank yeah. it with my Hercules strength. <laughs> so and, was
0: that functioning at
1: that point? Did it uh did it, Yeah, you know that you feel confident at that point that that could work? That banjo is now my grandson's banjo and it still works. It was like tightened one time in its life and it's never changed, it's been the same ever since. It'll always be a permanently stretched banjo head now because I lost the spanner wrench about 30 years ago. There's no way of, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's no going back. Yeah, really. At this point I asked Tom
0: what was involved in the making of the frames and how many steps uh, were involved and
1: this was his response. One time I, I counted the steps, um, but uh, you know we get the castings but that's just a rough thing that has to be sent to a machine shop. Now we do machining here, of all kinds. But they have special machines that they can put the the casting into that machine, and with just a couple of setups, they can turn it into a completed, um, you know, functional part. Right. However, it's not really functional until all of the uh, finish, the metal finishing processes are done. Mm-hmm. So to briefly describe that. Um, after machining, it's not done by any means. There's burrs and little hooks of metal that have to be filed by hand in all of the surfaces of those windows and all of the around the threaded areas. And then um, also on the gears... On the s-
0: radius for the, for the neck connection?
1: Yes, there's that- also a connection where the neck and body meet. That's a flexible connection or a movable connection, which gives you adjustment over your string height. So that's one of the major advantages of the Gila mount is having the, the neck interface perfectly machined so that you can have a um, uh, you know, your neck, Perfectly fitting, but also kind
0: of a range of motion. A range.
1: There's like an infinite range of motion in how high your your bridge can be between like five eighths and three quarters, right? Give or take. And sometimes you can go higher or lower with that adjustment. And the head tension, (coughs) excuse me. Um, the head tension also affects how high the strings are. So the whole system, um, when you understand the the geometry of head tensioning and how high the bridge will be when you have different uh, tensions on the thing and then being able to put that um, exact right angle on for whatever bridge you want mm-hmm. and so you, the the builder now and the the person uh, setting up the banjo has many more choices of geometry and therefore resulting sound and feel and playability than any other banjo uh, most banjos are predetermined with a neck angle and you can can only have one height bridge that works right but with neck fills you can go up to an inch high bridge if you want and uh, the sound variations are completely uh, variable from whatever you can imagine to whatever you can imagine
0: all right and here I asked Tom about uh, the difference between our newer Excelsior frame and the original helamount frame which I've heard him referred to as the Eclipse frame. Uh, they both have Helamont technology uh, but they're made very differently.
1: Instead of like uh, mixing up a batch of hot aluminum and pouring it into a mold, uh, what we do is we have these giant tubes of extruded aluminum that from you know Alcoa or you know one of these giant sure. manufacturers and they giant tubes that we end up machining into the shape so it's a reductive you know machining process that is carving these damn parts right out of the uh right out of the solid metal so you know that there's absolutely no voids there's absolutely uh no defects and then that the look and appearance is different you can tell that it's machined and it's shiny and machine shined so that um all that casting roughness of the other helamount is not apparent in the excelsior and finally a little bit more about the term helamount first of all it, you know i think we've said this earlier but helamount this is all about helical mounting and helamount is short for helical mounting of the tone ring in a banjo so that's just means the threaded ring that turns is 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 providing the tension for the head with one piece instead of all of the hooks and nuts. And I think everybody understands that now, but I always have to repeat it. And the helical mounting system is exactly the same in the resonator version, the original version of the heli mount, as well as the newest version, which was originally designed as an open back banjo. And the way I designed that one was, was basically taking the shape that the neck, uh, is attached to the body in that, in that rounded shape. And then I just took that radius shape and I kind of extruded it all the way around the banjo with that same radius. It's like a four inch mm-hmm. radius. And, uh, then it, the, it gave the outside surface of the banjo sort of a donut shaped look, and then cut the windows in that to take out some of the weight. And then I thinned the, the wall section by bringing that four inch radius in a little bit because we don't need the flange, you know, so, I mean, it's, it just turned out beautifully. Um, there's more material around the gear section, which it it strengthens the, Mm -hmm. um, the heel amount without having the flange as in the other design. So it was, um, you know, both designs are really well engineered and I love the, um, Excelsior because of the added heft and weight. When you, when you don't have a resonator and you have a, a banjo body and usually we put a lightweight tone ring in it, I really like the weight of the Excelsior Helamount pot because it sits with with very good balance in your lap and the neck doesn't like fly down or fall out, you know, fall out of the way.
0: So that's about all of the um, conversation that I was able to salvage uh, we went on to talk about some plating options. We we do a uh, a translucent powder coat finish over our um, our nickel plated uh, Corona frame. That's the image you see on this podcast. We also do a copper plating that we uh, patina, and so you'll see that on both frames as well. Thanks for sticking with us on these first couple podcasts while we iron out some details here. And if you have any questions about what we talked about, feel free to uh, send them on either to the podcast, uh, which is podcast in Neckville, or just uh, call the shop and, and have a conversation with us.